and welcome to Fraud uh, Busting New Frauds podcast. It is the only podcast for female fraud professionals and their allies who want to stay on top of the fraud awareness spectrum in order to thrive professionally while maximizing their happiness and having the courage to create the life they love. Thank you for listening. Hi, everyone, and uh, welcome to the Neo Frost podcast. In today's episode, we have a special guest. This is Rolanda London, uh, and she will be talking to us about super interesting topics related to fraud. But before we uh, start um, the conversation, I'd like to give Rolanda uh, the floor to uh, quickly introduce herself. Uh, Hi, Rolanda. Hi, Olga. Thank you very much for having me. (laughs) Uh, Uh, You're welcome. Could you please uh, tell us um, a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so my experience spans over a decade now in the space. I personally consider myself a strategist that just so happens to work in fraud prevention and mitigation. Um, But I do bring uh, with me comprehensive knowledge of fraud and abuse from the issuing side, uh, credit reporting. Um, I've worked some time with the IRS, um, a large financial institution, a smaller financial institution, um, very big into data things like that, extremely big into data and making sure data is good enough to make decisions from. (laughs) So um, I do enjoy the work. Uh, I'm very passionate about protecting people in some weird way. And this is my way to do that. At least that's how I see it. Wow, that's all sounds very, very uh, impressive. Uh, Definitely, Rhonda, and thank you for uh, this introduction. Um, I'd like to ask you uh, a question. How does it feel like to be specifically a woman uh, in the field of fraud prevention? There's this um, one thing that I've noticed, especially being a woman and on top of that being a parent. I tend to try to educate people as much as possible. And I'm I'm not sure if that's more of the parenting side or some kind of maternal nurturing thing, right? <laughs> um, that I'm sure that many other people can identify with um, regardless. But, but for, for me personally, I just, I find myself, especially as my son got older, wanting to educate people as much as possible and realizing that not everyone had the chance and opportunity to sit, sit them down and speak to them about safe practices about um, how they they operate online and how they use their financial information and personal information in different spaces. Um, I do think that's something that's helped me with dealing with certain cases that I've worked particularly mm-hmm. um, and then finding out the real story behind things, right? There's this inquisitive nature uh, that I've learned to leverage to interview people when they don't know they're being interviewed. <laughs> So I think sometimes, uh, sometimes that kind of works to my advantage. Um, I know for a long time when I've, especially on the data side, usually it's it's a room, a room full of men and trying to explain like certain perspectives and things. And, and it seems like having a having a different perspective, even be it just uh, generally just from a woman to um, a male perspective, a female to a male perspective. 
it seems like it helps just to have that added layer of consideration, not to say that men aren't considerate, but just coming from different, um, sometimes it's, it's not even just being a woman, it's different backgrounds, different, coming from different cities or anything, right? Different cultures, uh, any type of uh, differences typically help people to innovate and think of things that they may not have thought before. And it helps us come together in a way. So I do would like to see, um, and if we have been seeing a, a resurgence, uh, a new surge in, in women in, in data and engineering and things like that, which has excited me very much. But it also, because these these positions in this work is, is so heavily dependent on cross-functional teams working together, um, having that representation across the board comprehensively really makes uh, makes us all better, right? It makes our our tools more effective. It makes us more efficient. It makes us collaborate better. It helps us collaborate better. Um, so it's always exciting to go into a space, especially being in it over 10 years to see the change and the shift um, that, you know, you will go to a financial institution and you, you see predominantly women as tellers, but to see them in the spaces as investigators and data scientists, it's just exciting to, to see how things are, have been shaping over the last decade or so. Uh, thanks so much, Rolanda, for this uh, overview and uh, detailed uh, response. I definitely share uh, this experience uh, as myself, and uh, you're absolutely right. Um, it, it is uh, really, really uh, pleasant, you know, in the present day <laughs> to see uh, those changes, and that's wonderful. Uh, that's the way uh, the industry should be, uh, you know, going uh, forward. But um, without further ado, I'd like us to dive into an interesting topic about Roman scams. Um, could you speak about uh, any uh, interesting scenarios uh, with this uh, respect? Yes. So there are... I think there are deeper layers to romance scams that on the surface, there are the interesting stories of it, but there are categories that go unnoticed. One of my favorite categories is we broke up. It's fraud. <laughs> so <laughs> you have people who claim they've been scammed by some person, that, but they were in like a two-year relationship with them, right? So it's really this elaborate form of first-party misuse, right? That gets confused sometimes from romance scams if the interview is not conducted appropriately and the investigation is not thorough enough, right? So I just want to want to call that out <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> our customers may not tell us the truth. And, and while we do have a label for it, there are times where the, um, the stories they tell are more effective than the investigations that we, we uh, conduct. So we want to be careful about those type of things. So beware of the we broke, we broke up, it's fraud category. Um, beyond that, uh, working in a space, particularly in the financial institutions of different various sizes, you see, uh, you see these scams impacting people, particularly there was a, a, a large group of people, I shouldn't say large, from my perspective, it was large because when mm -hmm. you speak to people individually, it seems like the world is on fire because I'm yeah. talking to all these people, but yeah. it could be like 10, right? And to me, yeah. that's, that, was a, that was two weeks of time, right? Of interviews and work and all this stuff, right? Um, so I had this cluster of cases one time that came from people when I tried to find out the connection, they seemed like they were targeted by the same person. They all banked with the same institution. But the commonality was that within the last six months, they were all publicly in the paper for being widowed, being a widow or widower. So they had just lost a spouse. So they were actively targeted by the same group. Um, and maybe they were in the paper, they were all in the paper within the six month time frame. 
Um, that was the, the, the widest range. Um, but in seeing the way that a fraudster would target someone in their in their most vulnerable state, right? It's it's kind of um, it's painful to see what people go through in, in the way that they're targeted. Um, so I know a few of the cases I have had people flat out tell me, I know that this may not be real, but it's worth the money for me, right? Mm -hmm. So there's there's this complicated level of complicit behavior with some people sometimes. And I'm not, obviously there's a spectrum of uh, experiences within this, mm -hmm. but there were many times where I've, I've had someone tell me that their their children were not calling them and this person calls them every day. So yeah. she'd rather give them their money, like her money. <laughs> so I, I mean, essentially, I, you know, call your grandparents. That's all I can say about that. <laughs> um, and it becomes very interesting when you speak to people and you hear their reasons, even if they're aware, right? Mm -hmm. um, so this is one side of it, the people who are complicit and have some some level of awareness, but for them, they just deem it's worth the money because it's time well spent for them. They they get told they're pretty. They get told that they are kind and, and all these things that they never have a chance to hear from other people from their perspective, mm -hmm. right? So it makes them feel a certain way and they pay anything to continue that feeling. Mm -hmm. um, so it, be, it in some way becomes this vice, uh, uh, this way to experience something that they hadn't experienced in a while or fill a void, uh, to fill a void uh, for something they lost. Maybe it's recently, maybe it's a long time ago, or maybe it's something they never had. Mm -hmm. um, but whether it's chat GPT talking to them or not, they are responding and, and they get the feelings of joy and the dopamine rushing, rush of someone being interested in them. And essentially that's what they're paying for sometimes. Mm -hmm. So the other side of it is the, the, the people who are very stubborn and truly believe that wedding is going to happen any day now, right? Mm -hmm. If only they can stay out of surgery and emergencies stop happening with the fan happening with the family to keep them from traveling to wherever. <laughs> There's always the, the, the fraudster that has this, this never ending list of excuses why we can't get married the next week, like I promised. Um, so we, you know, you run into those cases as well. And particularly with those cases, what I find is that there's a level of kindness that those particular people need that sometimes they don't get when they, when you have these cases. Um, when I train investigators or train other people to deal with these cases, I try to get them not to focus on their story, right? Because these stories get really interesting. <laughs> like, why would this doctor fall for this? Like, why would this person, this is a, a lawyer, an intelligent person, right? Why would they, why would they fall for this? It makes no sense. But you don't always know what people's experiences are and what's important to them, right? Um, you don't know what they've lost, what they've gained, what they what they need. Um, so you can't really get bogged down about the the tantalizing details of whatever yeah. whatever comes up. They really are in a space where they need help, and and from a consumer regulation standpoint, that's really the only focus. Money can only move so many ways, regardless of the story. So our job is to protect um, our, protect our companies from liability for certain things and also our customers from having a negative experience that was preventable right within reason and within law right mm -hmm. so I think sometimes that um if you're if you're uh distracted by the story you miss the opportunity to help somebody in a in a in a way that they need and one thing I found is that when I have had the most egregious cases when it breaks through that someone is consistently kind to them even though they kind of start to realize they make a mistake um, 
it kind of brings them back to reality, right? Oh, now all of a sudden the whole world isn't your enemy. And this one person that you thought, you know, loved you or something like that is, is not just what this one person. You actually have help with the people trying to, to save you your money, right? But they don't see it like that. They see it as an attack initially, right? Because it, it, it attacks their integrity. It attacks their their mental faculty, faculties, faculties in some ways. Yeah. Um, so it's a, very, it's a very visceral response sometimes when you tell someone, hey, this person's not real. And I'm like, well, I've based the last year of my life on every conversation with this person. How could you tell me it's not real? So uh, I, label as, I label it as having a good fraud side manner. Like I, it's akin to like bedside manner for a, a doctor, right? You can't just walk in a room and say, hey, you have a terminally ill, you're, you're terminally ill or something like that. You, you, I, mean, I guess you could, but... I don't know how someone will want to hear difficult information, but I know how I personally try to deliver that information. And it's not so much as dancing around and it's just so much, as, it's just understanding that these are people with experiences um, and for, for whatever reason, they were led down a path that was very costly for them, but, um, and we can help them, but I don't want to shame them for the choices that they made either, right? They don't, they don't need to be ridiculed or ostracized for those choices. And they are bad choices sometimes, right? They are really bad choices, yeah. but but they are also human. And there's a level of dignity, I think, that um, that really should be prioritized when dealing with these cases. Mm-hmm. Um, well, thanks so much. Uh, and uh, I, I have a question uh, for a particular type of financial exploitation. Um, can you speak on an example of what kinds of transactions are the victims uh, making uh, for the fraudster um, in terms of financially uh, being exploited? Yes. So... A lot of people uh, know about card fraud that kind of gets involved with this and money mule situations, but there are people who actually still mail cash mm-hmm. uh, to someone. And it's hard to dispute if you yourself walk into a bank and take cash out and don't tell anyone the reason, and then you go mail it through whatever service you decide to whatever place in the country or the world you reside, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or wherever it's they ask for it to go, that's not a dispute a consumer can win. That money's gone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very difficult thing to dispute something like that. I mean, uh, that's there's that's a whole different a whole different topic. But there there are people still today that mail cash money to some location, right? And they do it often and frequently. Mm-hmm. So the KYC concerns, and this is one of the spaces I think where compliance and fraud to overlap. Mm-hmm. So if you know your customer and you're doing due diligence, mm-hmm. um, these things can these can things can be prevented. And I know sometimes that's like you see on the financial institution side and the issuing side, we see a lot more um, details as far as that, right? Um, usually, with, with if you're on in the space, if you're in e-commerce or you're a retailer or um, a, even whether it's brick and mortar or online or a platform of some sort that people can engage on, you see one piece of it, but you don't know all the other things that are going outside of your ecosystem mm-hmm. that are usually far more expensive and, and take a lot more effort to deal with outside of just, you know, one iPhone or, or some money being passed through some platform, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, uh, thanks so much for for um this uh, detailed explanation. Uh, I hope that the audience the audiences will enjoy listening uh, and learning a lot of uh, tips and information, uh, which is uh, really really important. Uh, finally, I'd like to ask a question: What kind of advice? Mm, in your opinion, um, could be provided for the public out there to be cautious and uh, try not fall a victim uh, of those types of uh, scams and frauds? I know sometimes, you know, the cliche of if it sounds too good to be true, right? Yeah. Um, I think that that's something that it's been around for a while for a reason. And I think that's something that we should always keep in mind. And it's not so much to say that you're not worth this wonderful, magical thing happening. But if the wonderful, magical thing is dependent on you sending money to someone, then there's a price and a cost to it that if it's wonderful and magical, shouldn't be, right? Um, now, I, I, there are exceptions to every rule, right? Um, especially with the advent of online dating uh, being more connected and, and a reality for a lot more people. You know, being in the space so long, you've seen, I've seen that industry grow quite a bit. So. Uh, it would. It used to be at one point people, uh, the way people met weren't online, but you hear more and more stories that people do meet and, and marry from, you know, relationships online. And I don't know if I'm dating myself or not, like, or dating myself in the sense of my age, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but to see that evolution change, I'm, I'm aware and I'm not, I'm not in any way saying that dating online is, is wrong. But being mindful of who you give your resources to and who you give access to your resources to, it's very important. And, and you know, in, in most cases, you know, and I'm, I'm saying in most cases to be conservative, but I really would hope that means all cases, right? Yeah. Love shouldn't cost you money, right? The excuses yeah. and things like that, if they become never ending, but always have a price, there's always an excuse not to see you, but it always has a price. But then there are other people who show up physically to perpetuate a scam um, and just just to, to show up and take the money directly, right? So mm -hmm. those things happen too. Yeah. Um, but protect yourself. Don't give away anything you're not comfortable not receiving back, right? <laughs> if that's a risk you're willing to take, don't put your house on the line. Um, there are a lot of people who uh, who take out second mortgages to, to do these things, to give money to other people. And those are the kind of things you don't want to, you don't want to see anyone putting themselves at risk for someone that doesn't genuinely actually care about them. And, and those are the, those are the cases I think that I remember the most because these are essentially the kindest and most loving people um, who, you know, in, in the news or, you know, on the surface in general conversation, they make it you know, called, you know, unkind names, but these are people attempting to love through something terrible or after experiencing something difficult, right? So they're taking advantage of in, in the, the most vulnerable times. So um, just kind of just taking a step back to protect yourself and protect your resources. Mm -hmm. uh, well, thank you so much, Rolanda, for this very important advice. I hope the audiences will take notes uh, and uh, try to be cautious um, and, uh, you know, mindful, like you said. Uh, thank you for being our um, guest uh, for the episode. Um, I really appreciate your time uh, and all of the advice provided. Uh, thank you. And thank, thank you. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to uh, today's episode. Uh, stay healthy and happy. Bye-bye.